You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hi, Annie here for Showreel, a look at things happening in the Australian moving image world. Today we're talking with Spencer McLaren, who's part of the Steve Jagig production house in Queensland. He's talking to us about a series called Dive Club, now showing on Netflix, shot in Queensland and aiming for the young adult market with a strong ensemble cast of young female performers. Now, this is the fourth COVID um, production coming out of Steve Jaggy Company um, and the producer. So tell us about the uh, hairy ride of COVID uh, filmmaking. (laughs) Sure. Look, it's uh, it's certainly been, uh, uh, like everybody, a, a steep learning curve in terms of, you know, getting everybody back to work safely. And I think, um, as you say, this is the, the fourth one we did. We started off with um, a feature called This Little Love of Mine, uh, which we shot up in Palm Cove. And uh, I think, you know, the, the only issues it's, it's really um, brought up for us is just there's a whole lot of new processes involved in washing costumes and bagging props and and so it's more hands on deck and it just slows things down a little bit. But uh, outside of that, we, we were very, very lucky uh, across all of our productions where we uh, managed to um, get everything in the can, as it were. Uh, we have tried with Dive Club, you know, had to be very conscious of where everyone was coming from and how long we had to keep them in the state for up in Queensland when we were up there and people couldn't go home over Christmas. <laughs> that was a little harrowing. We shot across some. Um, uh, Christmas there for everybody and so that was a bit sad for some of the people who had a hard time uh, with that especially some of the younger girls uh, but they were all absolute professionals and troopers and uh, and knew that that's what it took these days to get the job done so uh, yeah it's definitely been an interesting ride. Yeah um, it's a really interesting uh, series actually because it gives really great um uh, opportunities for the lead at young actri- actors, and um, and I noticed that it's a female uh, writer, so it's it's there's some really good uh, opportunities for people, aren't there? Look, absolutely. You know, we, we uh, across the business have been very conscious of trying to focus on telling female stories and empowering female storytellers. So whether that be writers like Georgia Harrison or, um, you know, our three fantastic female directors in uh, Christine Luby, Hayley McFarlane and Rhiannon Bannenberg, um, you know, we, we've been very conscious of wanting to 
put an authentic voice behind these girls as well. And and as you rightly say, for the, the girls themselves, so like Mia, Georgia May, Mercy, Aubrey, um, Sunny, it's a, it's a really great opportunity to, to, to play in this space and really show some fantastic, well-rounded, uh, strong women on the screen. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because in a funny kind of way, it's a little bit like, um, what is it, that uh, uh, young girl series, the horse club. I don't know. I can't remember what it is. What you're talking about Saddle Club? Yeah, the Saddle Club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's the one. I mean, I mean, in a sense, it's like people who have grown up. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, Saddle Club's obviously much younger, yeah. Um, but absolutely, yeah. They, these girls are, you know, on uh, into into the diving world, as you say, instead of horses, if you want to draw that parallel. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's um, there's lots of entrees for uh, uh, young uh, young uh, girls to um, enjoy this particular um, series, but uh, there is. Uh, a really nice um, investigative and uh, danger and suspense as well as love interest. It's a a nicely uh, uh, arranged thing. I mean, I've seen uh, four of the episodes and I do want to know what happens. (laughs) Well, thank you. We we certainly have tried to set out and create a world that keeps people coming back. And as you say, the mystery and intrigue of of, of the story that goes on there with... um, uh, the disappearance of, of one of the girls, and no spoilers there. Obviously, that happened. Oh well, that happened uh, quite very early on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, the the, the season is about uh, trying to find uh, Lauren, uh, who, who's gone missing in that storm, uh, with you know some sinister machinations sort of surfacing as these girls look into the loss of their friend. And and as you say, we, we've tried to to really give them a, a strong world to play in, you know, and, and so it requires not only physical strength but mental strength and and uh, fortitude really for them to, to find a way forward and, and um, chase down what's happened to Lauren. Yeah, it's also very companionable, like uh, the girls work together, the young women work together, which is actually yes. a really yeah. nice um, uh, kind of... Uh, a message, I'd have to say. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for, for want of a, uh, uh, another reference, uh, I would say uh, as, a, um, uh, as a male, though, it reminds me a lot of the, the younger time when, when Junies was around. Do you remember the yeah. the kids on all the bikes and they all went out and, they again, they're all as a team of friends working together, solving a problem, um, you know, that that's really at the core of this you know, friendship and companionship and, and, and working together. Yeah, yeah, as well as running parallel to the um, uh, expectations and uh, social requirements that are expressed by their connection to their adults, uh, their parents, etc. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, I was really taken by the a level of attention to the sets. That was really like, for example, the dive club clubhouse. I mean, oh, look, how miraculous is that? They've done a really good job. Look, the, the production designer, Joe Tin, and there um, really pulled out all the stops on that. And that's very much the hero location for the series being called, you know, Dive Club. And that is the, the clubhouse. Um, 
it was, I, I think that the, the day we all first worked, walked onto that set, you know, Joe was kept it closed until he dressed it all. And then we, when we did first walk onto it, you were just struck by all these amazing trinkets and things that, uh, you know, the characters had discovered over their time diving and collected and, and whatnot. And, you know, some, some old treasures, some bits of junk, some amazing maps, you know, and, and every item in there had been meticulously selected uh, to tie in. You know, there was no just general filler in that corner. You could have shot anywhere at any point um, and gone from, gone from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very impressive. The other thing that's really interesting is that this particular, from a filmmaking point of view, there's a lot of um, uh, um, quite a, a broad range of cinematography skills that are required because there's lots of underwater stuff, there's interiors, there's exteriors. There's a whole range of things going on here. Uh, look, there, there, there is quite a lot going on, as you rightly say, and, and I think the show really showcases what's uh, an astounding world and a, a fresh world, you know, something we haven't really seen necessarily before, and, and, and the team have really done a, a, an awesome job, you know, uh, from everyone, you know, trying to capture that uh, across the board, uh, you know, cinematography, design, uh, locations, you know, and and Far North Queensland is an awesome place to um to to do that in. Well, yeah, it's pretty beautiful. Um, the the other thing is, um, I wanted to know, as a production house, um, do you uh, I mean, you work on your, these projects like you had four projects running at the same time. So, do you, do you have um a uh, group of uh, technical people that you generally use or, you know, is it, is it, is, is that how it works? No, uh, I mean, to an extent we have our core employees that work across the business, but from a creative perspective in terms of, you know, the location people and the production designers, costume designers, there are a few people we have returned to, uh, but, no, it's not like we only use the same team over and over. Um, you know, I think on uh, the four we shot across that period, there were three different production designers used there. Um, we we certainly do have our, I guess, sort of stable of directors we like to work with, but, you know, we're also keen to, to find new voices and new talent as well. Uh, but it, it's, it's also in this climate who's around too, because it's a very, very busy time of year, um, you know, with all the American stuff coming over in the last 12 months, you know, it's harder and harder to, to find uh, crew, um, a lot of them drawn into the really big budget shows, you know, so unfortunately that, that can uh, mean they're not available to, to the smaller guys like us. Um, but, you know, we hope that people will come back to us as, as they have, um, you know, when they're finished on those and, and, yeah, so, so it's not a, a set team by any means, but we obviously have some people who we've we've uh, had repeat business with. Oh, that's really interesting, isn't it? Um, everything, like it's that old adage that uh, uh, what's um, the difficulty can often be turned into uh, a bonus. So if it, with COVID, for example, in actual fact, uh, your work uh, in Queensland locally uh, is a focus for production, actually, for, you know, in a way that um, 
you know, others may not have been able to continue. You guys have been able to continue. But also um, because uh, the Americans have come over here and they've been given sort of sweet deals effectively to, to make things in this COVID environment, it has meant that you've been able to give opportunities to people who may not have, who might have found it more difficult to get on board. That's true, isn't oh, it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we have worked with three first-time female film directors, you know, and we actively want to find opportunities for people. You know, we sit in a particular budgetary space where we are not able to compete with Marvel Studios. Yeah, well, you know, and we know that. Yeah. So part of our business model is very much, you know, finding people on the way up and on the way down, you know. So we want to give opportunities to new people when we can and find a balance of experienced people and new people in every project so that we can nurture new talent and really support that. And then, you know, we, we do find that then they go through and they'll go and take that Marvel gig as they should, you know. And, and then, as I said, on, on the way down, when they finish that one and they want to do another um, small something with us. We're only like a, a four, three or four week shoot often on our features. Dive Club obviously being somewhat larger, being um, uh, I think a 13 week shoot in the end, um, but across four months. So that's obviously a bigger gig for everybody. But uh, yeah, we really try and find the opportunities to, to introduce and nurture new talent. Yeah, I was also taken by the musical choices. <laughs> oh, yes, it's... Uh, it's quite traditional in many ways with with the um, symphonic recordings and um, uh, classical pieces that have gone throughout. Is it um, tricky, that sort of stuff, you know, uh, uh, fitting within, like you said, you're within a, a budgetary uh, framework. So I, I guess the planning stage for all these different elements that you have going in any production um, it must take a lot of uh, work. Oh, look, absolutely. And, you know, music is such an integral part of, of any series and, and we're very proud of the package we put together on Dive Club. And, yes, it, it can take a lot of time to, to balance, you know, the, the director's wants with, um, you know, studio needs and, you know, in this case Netflix, what they like and what everybody's looking for and, and, and then going out to the record companies and, cutting deals with them to, to get that um, all happening. So it, it's definitely been uh, uh, definitely a huge part of the process. And and so you're the um, producer for this particular um, project? Yes. Yes. So myself and Steve Jaggy are the two producers on Night Club. Yeah, cool. I mean, you know, and there's other projects. So what what's it like? To to uh, is it? Did you get a distribution deal with Netflix, or was that already in the bag before you started? Oh yes, no, it definitely uh, was uh, commissioned by Netflix before we started. Absolutely, I mean something of the scale of this show, you, you can't really shoot without a uh, um, uh, broad. I use the word loosely, broadcast partner, <laughs> given the streamers, you know, and, and whatnot. But w without that in place. You, know, you just can't go forward. So they came on board very early, which was just fantastic, and um, yeah, have been involved from you know, script stage onwards. Oh, that's really interesting. And so, um, and that's obviously uh, built on the uh, previous work that you've already done. Yeah. So I think certainly the strength of 
some of the other films that we've made and sold to Netflix. Um, uh, previously, there was a relationship building there, and they really responded to um, the content on this one. Um, let's say, you know, young, female-focused adventure set in a, a stunning landscape. You know, who wouldn't want it? <laughs> you are, that's right. Now, the other thing about that is that implies, and, and you're, a lot of your business, oh, it's not all entirely, but a lot of your business is around young adult um, uh, material, isn't it? Is there a big yeah, market for this? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I guess we've really had in recent times two sort of core focuses. One has been the the, the young adult um, focus with things like um, Swimming for Gold and Riptide and then Dive Club. And then we've also really um, skewed more into the 30-plus female uh, demographic with the, the rom-coms we've been doing. So Stay Love, which is our one coming out at Christmas this year, um, this is a love of mine, um, romance on the menu. Um, there's a whole range of them. So they've really been our two kind of core demographics from a business perspective for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, we're continuing to evolve. Like we did shoot a thriller last year as well. And then I'm working on another one right now. So uh, we try and mix it up and, and keep ourselves entertained as well. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. And so mostly the market is... Um, for uh, streaming services, is that right? Uh, well, we no. Uh, we had Dive Club's our first series. Prior to that, it's all feature film, which all have a theatrical release. And then uh, I believe, generally these days, I think that the, we we've had I think nine and Stan took streaming for gold. Um, Ten were on board with Dive Club as well. Um, but not surprising, uh, really. No, so um, it, it's it, it's a mixed bag, you know. We're we're kind of, um, I guess everybody is, is really just a, a content outlet now, whether that is like so many of the streamers or or the networks. But the the feature films we've done generally these days, you know, there's not a lot of um, a lot of homes for them on network television. Kind of, it's the features really end up on the streamers because you know the Friday night, Saturday night movie, that kind of thing. Is reruns on on the networks of you know Bond and Harry oh no, it, it's become yeah. quite moribund, hasn't it? Yeah, you just kind of go. It, it's just the, the big end of town, which is great, and that has a, a place too. But the um, uh, there's so many films out there now, you know, and they've got such limited slots. Um, it, it's really great to have the opportunity to work with you know such a, a wide range of streamers to to then pick them up and give them a continued life. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting um, variation on uh, 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 audience patterns of um, uh, consumption, really. Uh, uh, and I was wondering, actually, from your point of view as a producer, you know, you'd have to constantly be aware of the audience pulse, I guess. Well, yes. I mean, you, you part of your job is to create content for people who want to watch it, you know. Um, and if there's no audience for it, then why make it? So uh, that that's the, the, the core equation there, and and you know having a look at what's succeeding and what people are talking about, and obviously we don't have the equivalent of the the ratings that we used to have on standard network television that that, that doesn't really apply to the streamers. So you've got to find other ways and means in which to kind of ascertain 
you know, whether they're, they're passing the litmus test on, you know, success or otherwise. And, but, but the streamers themselves will be the first ones to come to you and say, we need more of this, this has gone really well, or that didn't work so well, can we try this? Um, We've been very lucky and so far we've only had the conversations where they said this is working well. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and getting back to Dive Club, uh, the location and the fact that you're in Queensland um, inspires stories of this type. Like, I mean, you've got such a, a, a cornucopia of loveliness around you. Oh, you... you step out of the plane up there and you know and start driving around this is all shot particularly in port douglas and uh, we had talked about shooting this originally in brisbane um and then we were up in port douglas shooting uh this to the love of mine at palm cove actually not quite port douglas um and as we walked around we just looked and and we drove up to port douglas for the day and thought we have to shoot dive club here it's just it is so picturesque and you can just point in any direction and it's just stunning and, and, and interesting and, and yeah, and really engaging. So we, we were so grateful to be able to, to, to get support of, you know, Screen Queensland and then the local government. Um, and, you know, the mayor is uh, features in there as well in Port Douglas. He's got a little cameo. <laughs> so everybody's really got behind the whole show. And, uh, and and help make it um, success as it is. It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it, uh, I mean, films and uh, programs like Dive Club. You know, they have a, a you know, a, an appeal that goes beyond the local. But that very localness actually gives it a lot more depth, doesn't it? Yeah, it it, it helps deliver an authenticity, I think. You know, and makes it feel like it's rooted. Um, in there, and the, the the dive club, for example, uh, is set uh, within or housed within one of the oldest buildings in Port Douglas, which um, is was undergoing renovation uh, before we moved in there, and it had stalls, and so we're very lucky to get in there and get access and <laughs> build the dive club in there. I think they've continued to to restore since then on the inside, but you know, everyone locally just knowing that that was the case and it was being used, you know, was really excited to see what we did with it and, and how it would work and yeah, and, and you just get a lot of support. And you actually added to their little history. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for talking to me and uh, thanks for letting me see the series because I actually really enjoyed it. Well, no spoilers, but you know, there's a few more twists and turns to come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. That's it for Showreel this week. Next week, we hear from Ivan Zinn and his new film, Loveland, out in cinemas in February. Until then, keep safe. Talk soon. It's a great privilege and an honour to be here to um, 
celebrate the legacy of this old man. We always felt he was a comrade in our camp. So um, <coughs> I feel it's a celebration. So if you want to sing along to this, um, you will not be removed by security. Gather round people, I'll tell you a story, an eight year long story of power and pride. British Lord Vestey and Vincent Lingari were opposite men on opposite sides. Vestey was fat, honey and muscle. Beef was his business, broad was his door. Vincent was lean, spoke very little. He had no bank balance, hot dirt was his floor. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. Gringy were working for nothing but rations But once they had gathered the wealth of the land Daily the pressure got tighter and tighter Gringy decided they must make a stand They picked up their swags, started off walking At what he did Sat himself down. Now it don't sound like much. Sure got comes talking. Back at the homestead, then in the town. From little things, big things grow. Come here from little things, big things grow. I'll double your wages Seven quid a week You have in your hand Vincent said Uh-uh We're not talking about wages We're staying right here Till we get our land Bestie man rolled Bestie man thundered You don't stand a chance Of a cinder in snow Big city we fall Others are rising From Little things, big things grow from little things, big things grow. Then Vincent Ligari boarded an aeroplane and landed in Sydney, great big city of lights. And daily he went round, softly speaking his story. To all kinds of men From more walks of life Vincent sat down Let Greek politicians This affair they told him It's a matter of state Let's sort it out Your people are hungry Vincent said no thanks We know how to wait From little things Big things grow from little things. 
big things grow from the little things big things grow from the little things big things grow then Vincent Lignaro returned in an airplane back to his country once more to sit down he told his people Let the stars keep on turning We got friends in the south In the cities and towns Eight years went by Eight long years away One day a tall stranger Peed in the land He came with lawyers Came with great ceremony Threw Vincent's fingers For that handful of sand From new things, big things grow. 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 Vincent Lignari, but this is the story of something much more. How power and privilege talk move people to know where they stand. They stand in their law. From new things, big things grow. From new things, big things grow. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.